0: Be our podcast. What I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about the Holy Spirit and I'm going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm going to give you mainly my testimony. I said I'd do that two weeks ago. Um, but I'd like to hear your experience as well of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, what you've experienced of Him. Um, When were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? When did you speak in tongues? Do you have difficulty in speaking in tongues? Have you encountered any other experience of the Holy Spirit? It's always useful, I find, to hear other people's encounters with God. So um, when i finished, on just so you can be thinking about what you're going to say, okay? Um, But I think for myself, I've just absolutely loved getting to know the Holy Spirit. Uh, He is just fantastic, and um, I'm hoping that over the next 10 weeks, because I get 10 weeks with you, that you will all get to know him even better and enjoy learning to minister with him and experience him and his power and his anointing. Because if you realize, you know, Jesus did everything by the Holy Spirit, and it was the Holy Spirit on Jesus that enabled Jesus to do everything. And Jesus did all that he did as a man. Uh, Yes, he was God. But everything he did here, he did as a man. Otherwise, if he did it as God, it would be absolutely impossible for us to even consider doing what Jesus asked us to do. And, of course, Jesus said, greater things than these will you do, because, of course, he's going to go with the Father, and the Father's promise was going to come to us of the Holy Spirit. Because it is the Father's promise. Um, it, when Jesus talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is the Father's promise that's coming. And uh, Jesus really made it clear to us, you know, your Father knows how to give good gifts to you. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how the Father knows how to give that wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit to you. Okay, let's just pray and then we'll get started. Dad, I want to thank you that it was always your intention to give us this wonderful gift of the person of the Holy Spirit and that he would be with us and that he would reveal Jesus to us, and that he would enable us to do everything that you wanted us to do, Father. All of the ministry that's in front of us, all of the gifting that you want to see in us, and and all the destiny that's in our lives comes to us through wonderful Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come uh, this afternoon, invite you to help us uh, minister to each other, and just enjoy your presence. Amen. Amen. Very good. So, I just was saying there that Jesus did promise that the Father knew how to give good gifts. Remember that scripture, it says, "You know, uh, if you as earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father know how to give you the Holy Spirit? And uh, there was a story with my son when he was seven. He was a Manchester United supporter, and... Uh, he wanted the, uh, the goalkeepers out, you know, the kit uh, to wear. And to be honest with you, that was 70 pounds to buy. It was a lot of money. Um, and anyway, he wanted one. So he said to me, I'll arm wrestle you for it, Dad. So here I am on the floor with my son, and he's seven. And I could just do that. And I knew that I could easily win. But as a dad, I wanted to give a good gift to my son. And I was looking at my wife and she was going, (laughs) and of course my son won and we bought him the kit and I knew how to give a good gift to my son. It cost us a lot of money to get money out of the bank, you know, more than we would normally spend. And yet we wanted to bless him. Now, if I know how to do that to my son, how much more does your heavenly father know how to give you a good gift? And you've done the Father Heart Week uh, and you've been learning about the Father's love for you and his total commitment towards you. Well, it's this loving Father who says, let me think, what would be the best thing I could ever give my children? I tell you what, I'll give them my Holy Spirit. And so you don't need to worry about him. He's just fantastic. And you need to learn to enjoy him and cooperate with him. He has a totally different language to you. Uh, You've just got to get used to his way of doing things, which will shock you at times. But let's get started and uh, look at some scriptures, and then I'll tell you my testimony, and then we'll listen to your testimony, and then we'll see what he wants to do. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God uh, in Matthew 6 verse 33. So that was his guide to us. Seek first his kingdom. And for long enough, I think in myself, I struggled understanding what the kingdom of God was. What was it like? In a sense, you know, I live here in in the UK and we've got a queen and she has a kingdom. And I can understand that sort of authority and kingdom and ownership. In fact, she owns all the swans in the country. So (laughs) any swan you see, she owns. So you could, I can understand it like that. But that didn't really seem to be the kingdom that Jesus was talking about. It didn't seem to be this one of hierarchical authority. It was something else. And fortunately, Paul, later on in Romans, gives us some insight as to what the kingdom is like. Because he said the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So wherever the Holy Spirit is, is his kingdom. And that's why I was saying to you, you know, you get to know the Holy Spirit, get to love him, get it to enjoy him, get to really enjoy the father's gift to you because it is the kingdom. And it, and it looks like something and it looks like righteousness. And you've been doing the new creation week where you've learned that you are righteous. You're never going to be any more righteous than you are today. Uh, you know, you haven't got to do something to become righteous. He did it for you. He made you righteous, uh, is peace, that peace that passes all understanding. It just comes in your life, and it just changes everything. Uh, when Kath, my wife, had uh, uh, was announced with bowel cancer, I can remember the day walking into work when peace just seemed to fall like a blanket over me, and I knew, that I knew, that I knew, that I knew that everything was going to be okay. And from then on in, we'd have a good report. So that's seven years ago, good report, fantastic. So it's just knowing that peace and that is the kingdom. And then it's joy. So it also looks like joy. So what does joy look like? Well, go and watch a football match and watch that Liverpool fans when they win unexpectedly. Oh, you can see what joy looks like. Go and look at um, a family when they've just had a new child. You can see what joy looks like. But actually, the joy in the kingdom is more than all of that, because it's a joy that just keeps bubbling up from inside of you. It becomes part of your life. In any circumstance, you can find joy, which is just outstanding, and that's what the kingdom is like. And so the kingdom isn't this hierarchical authority thing. It is a place of union and awareness of your relationship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where righteousness, peace, and joy just comes to you, okay? So there's the kingdom. And therefore, wherever the Holy Spirit is, is the kingdom. Wherever you see him, it's the kingdom. Wherever you feel him, it's the kingdom. You know, it's just he's with you. When the Holy Spirit is poured out on us, the king's domain becomes manifest in our lives, okay? So the Holy Spirit gets poured out. The king, Father God, the king's domain becomes poured out in our life. His influence, his authority, his power, his life becomes on us, okay? And the outpouring of the Holy Spirit deals directly with God's destiny for humanity. That was what his gift was to us. It's our destiny. We we call it I-destiny. Come on and find your destiny. Well, the truth is, just know Holy Spirit as your destiny. Bang on. You know, he is the one that deals everything with you, uh, enabling you to do all that he wants. The definition of grace is um, the empowering presence of God that enables us to be all and do all that God wants us to be and do. All right? Empowering presence. Who's that? Holy Spirit. Right? So the outpouring leads to us being filled with all the fullness of God. We find that in Ephesians 3.19. So the outpouring of the Spirit on you enables you To be filled with the fullness of God. Now, what does that really mean? It means that you reflect him. That you become him. God in this world. That's what he's saying. The fullness of God in your life. His love. His power. His anointing. His clarity. His wisdom. His um, purpose. You know, him. The fullness of him in you. You have been grafted into the vine. You haven't got to be grafted a bit more. You already are grafted. And the life of God <laughs> flows through that vine into you, and it's continually flowing. Our minds sometimes play tricks on you. And I'll give you an example from today for myself. So I've had a broken arm now for seven weeks. So I'm a bit out of things, you know, I've not being able to come to church. I feel like a bit on the outside. So I was just praying before I came. I said, Dad, um, I just need to tell you, I'm feeling a bit on the outskirts of this and I'm going to come and teach these students and uh, just feeling, you know, we know exactly what I feel. Okay, So that's what I was declaring what I felt. So then now I declare the truth. So I stood there and declared, I'm a son of God. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I'm anointed. I'm flowing with the anointing of God. So I now declare what is true because my mind can believe odd things. <laughs> And that's why we're called to renew our minds. Because we just link into untruths. And you need to get the truth back again and say, no, that's the reality. That's where I am. You can't reduce this kingdom of God to just talk and ideas. It's it's nothing to do with intellectual debate. It's unlimited power and has been granted to those who seek him over and over. It's dunamis, that's what it talks about, dunamis power. It's, unlimited. you know, the fullness of God in you enables you to walk in the fullness of power, his power. It's just outstanding to me, it's incredible. And we'll talk as we go, the weeks go on, we'll talk and give testimonies of what God's doing amongst us, and you'll get your own testimonies as well you'll see the miraculous of God happening as you begin to believe and as you begin to seek him. This seeking is not this um, God's out there somewhere and I've got to try and pursue him. What the seeking means is relationship. It means just enjoying being one with him. Enjoying acknowledging that you are one. Now, that in that action, you are seeking God, right? So seeking, please don't think of it as some activity that you're going to have to do to find him. He already found you. He hasn't lost you, right? He never lost you. So all you need to do now is respond to him in that wonderful relationship that he gives you. So it's unlimited power. Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So if you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, excuse me, you will have received power. Now, you may not actually be walking in that power yet, but you've received it. Now, walking in it is just, to be honest with you, it is a change of the way you think. Because what happens to us is we think, I haven't got any power. I prayed for six people and nobody's got healed, so obviously I haven't got it yet. And the reality is you've always had it. But you may be not yet learning how to hear Holy Spirit and therefore you don't know how to respond to him because he doesn't quite speak English, he doesn't speak German, he does he does all sorts of things <laughs> and learning how to recognize him can be difficult because Jesus said, I only do what I see my father's doing. How do you learn to see what father's doing? It's Holy Spirit who teaches you and he's very patient but it takes courage as well. You know, if he says to you, um, Smith Wigglesworth, a man of faith, often would thump somebody in the stomach who had stomach cancer, and the cancer would fall out and they would be healed. Now it takes a bit of courage to hit somebody in the stomach i 've done it once. it took a lot of courage and what i 'm trying to say to you is that learning to flow with Holy Spirit is the bit that is the key. How to hear him and respond to him is what. Is wanting, but anyway, Jesus promised when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will have received power. Acts 2, we find out that the Holy Spirit came on the disciples. This is Pentecost, and the Holy Spirit fell, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like something, you know. We often say, Love looks like something, you know, you can't just say, I love somebody without actually looking like something. Um, but the filling of the Holy Spirit looks like something. They were in the upper room waiting as Jesus had told them to do and the Holy Spirit came and they saw flames. And, and we'll see. Um, and they heard a wind. And we'll we'll see, we'll watch videos where people have experienced that and you realize that it's not just acts but it's happening now. Um, so, they came out of that upper room. And the truth is, if, if we were, most Western Christians would walk out of the upper room and nobody would know anything had happened. They'd just walk out of the room and that was it. But here, they came out and people had to make a decision as to what was happening. And they, some said, they're drunk. And others said, can't be drunk because it's nine in the morning. It's too early for them to be drunk. Something else must have happened. And then they heard them speaking in their languages. And they heard them declaring God. For some, that enabled them to go, wow. God's here, and 3,000 people got saved. That's a lot of power enabling <laughs> that to happen. But some people heard all that and said, no, it's a lot of rubbish, all that. And that same judging goes on in the world now. It's today it happens. It goes on in the church, unfortunately. Oh, no, that's not the Holy Spirit. Oh, no, that is. And you hear a saint's daft stuff like this. Learn to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you, and you will go running with him. He's just fantastic. So anyway, Holy Spirit, they came, filled the Holy Spirit, it came out. They were, the manifestations of the Spirit was on them and people could recognize it. Right? Acts 10, 34 to 48. This is the first time that Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. Here, if you remember the story, uh, I think it's Cornelius his name was, um, he had a dream and he was to send a person to Peter. He sent the person off to Peter. While well, that's happening, Peter has a dream, and he sees the um, a cloth coming down from heaven with all sorts of food on it. And God said to him, "You know what I call clean? Don't you call unclean? You know, is it everything is for the kingdom?" And Peter comes to Cornelius's house, and while Peter's speaking, the Holy Spirit falls on this group here. And then they Peter says, "You know, look, they've received the Holy Spirit." We cannot deny them baptism. And it's always intriguing to me. Here was an instance where the people received the Holy Spirit before they necessarily had got saved and got baptized. And I've seen that happen. Um, I remember in church, I was giving out communion. I was going down a line, giving communion, giving communion. Got to a person, the Holy Spirit said, stop. So I looked at this guy and the Holy Spirit said, "Um, just pray for him to be filled in the Holy Spirit. So I said, Holy Spirit, come now. Holy Spirit fell on him. He spoke in tongues, and his uh, wife, who was stood next to him, said, well, oh, maybe he better give his life to Jesus now. So I said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? He said, yes, please. we was done. <laughs> so, yeah, it, we get in this fixed position, which it's got to be this way. You know, give your life to Jesus. Then, then seven months later, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Then maybe some years later, you can speak in tongues. No. Holy Spirit comes. He does what he wants to do. You learn to flow with him. If your mindset was, no, he must have given his life to Jesus first, I wouldn't have maybe been able to do what I was doing. But because my mindset was, I'll follow you, Holy Spirit, and all that goes against what I wonder. I hope nobody else in this ship is watching me, what I'm doing now. <laughs> Obviously, that's the wrong way around. No matter. Holy Spirit came in. He got saved. He was wonderful. He was in our church for quite a few years, one of our leaders here. Brilliant. Um, Ephesians 5.18, one of my favorite verses says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that word "filled" is the, in the continuous sense, so it is an ongoing process of being filled and you can understand why is he is a, um, an infinite God isn't he? and we're finite people, and so we receive him and receive him again, receive him again, receive him again there's just always something new of Holy Spirit and so Jesus' first words to us were "Seek the kingdom and Right there in Ephesians, we get, be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over. We learned that the kingdom of God is the Holy Spirit and no wonder um, we're told to seek the kingdom. It's not a one-off event. It is a continuous, ongoing process for all your life with God. Fill me, fill me, fill me, fill me. So I'm going to share my testimony with you um, and uh, keep you entertained, I hope. So I got saved here in Manchester when I went to university. Um, has Irvin Allen been to speak on the school yet? Yeah. Well, it was Irvin who uh, helped me get to know Jesus. Um, I was in the same hall of residence as him, and he came knocked on my door, and he said, do you want to go to this Christian mission that was going on? And I, I, In the back of my mind, I was hearing my dad, and he, my dad said to me, do not get involved in politics, religion, or race, because there's no answers to any of them. So I was hearing this, and yet I, as a young man, I was thinking, oh, I've got to get to know new things here at university, opportunity. So I'll go to this one on a Wednesday night. It was called To Hell With God. I thought, that's a pretty good title, man. That's what I feel as well. I think hell, God should go to hell. <laughs> that's I, that's what, that was my approach to it. So I went along to their, their meeting. Oh, it's the most boring thing I'd ever been to. Barry Maguire at that time in the 70s was quite a, a, a well-known uh, Christian um, singer, um, but he was I found it terribly boring. I remember counting the bricks on the wall, and I was that bored with the meeting, thinking, How can I get to a point where I can get out of this because it 's just terrible and then the guy who was speaking was Roger Forster he just stood he did done a sermon which i hadn 't listened to, and he, he just stood and he said, Jesus died on the cross for you, and as soon as he did that, I heard for the very first time, this voice that said, Alan, I did it for you. And I knew, absolutely knew. So I turned to Herbine, I said, I'm going to go down the front and give my life to Jesus, to which point he fell off his chair, because I don't think he had ever, you know, he would have been seeing me all up, you know, fed up with the thing. Anyway, I gave my life to Jesus, and that was the best thing I'd ever done. So um, I went to join a new uh, a church, um, Holy Trinity Plaque, which is an Anglican church, And it was a wonderful student church. It was a bit like the Lutheran church, brilliant um, in terms of its evangelistic approach. But what it didn't seem to be doing was any revelation of the Holy Spirit, apart from quite a contained variety, really. And so after a little while, myself and Irving began to feel like, where are all the things that happen in Acts? You know, because if I read Acts... You know, I see people getting healed, deliverances. I see the people walking on water. I see them uh, being stoned and yet coming back to life. I see them uh, walking through crowds. So where's all that? Um, And back in the 70s, the thing baptism in the Holy Spirit was really a bit of a no-no within the evangelical church. It was rather, um, this is something that could be dangerous, um, you've got to be very careful here because the enemy will counterfeit everything, God. And probably everything you're seeing out there is counterfeit. It's not real. So you've really got to be very cautious. So we had all of that sort of teaching all the time. Uh, and yet there was something deep inside that said, I've got saved and there's something more. And I want that something more. So Irvin and myself started to meet. Uh, he was a, a locum doctor, part of his training to become a doctor uh, in one of the hospitals here. And so we used to meet every Tuesday night for a Bible study. And we decided we'd look at the Israelite nation as they came out of Egypt and came to the promised land. Because both of us knew that we'd been saved. So we were out of Egypt. We knew that. But we knew we weren't in a promised land. We knew that there was something more. And I had a clue how to get there, to be honest with you. So we did our Bible study for about six weeks and it came to the night where the Israelites moved into the promised land. And we thought, that's where we are. You know, if you can imagine this line here, you know, we've come out of Egypt and that's the promised land. Were we going to take the step into the promised land? So I remember the night in that little room, it's a tiny room, just like a bed and a desk. That's all there was in the room. And uh, we said, okay, Let's pray for each other to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we did. So then I said to Irvin, you know, I think I might have some phrases of speaking in tongues. Shall I try? Go on then. You know, go on then. So I did. And I said, what do you think of that? He says, well, it sounded pretty good. Maybe that's it. He says, can I have a go? Of course you can have a go. So he began to speak in tongues. Well, all of a sudden, it was like heaven opened. We had speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. He had had a dream. I instantly had the interpretation of the dream. Uh, He had had um, some sickness. I prayed for him. He was instantly healed. It was like, ah, the axe is happening in your little bedroom. It's happening, you know. And we were just so ecstatic by this. And then there came a knock on the door. Now, Irvin at that time, he, he was single, but very handsome. And so all the women nurses used to love coming to find Irvin, you see. So a knock at the door, and he opened the door, and there's two um, female nurses there come to visit Irvin. And immediately they said, what on earth has happened in this room? Now, we didn't say anything. They opened the door, we opened the door, and they knew that something had taken place in this room. Well, of course, it was the kingdom of God taking place. And of course, that's what we told them. So I went home that night and I walked in to the lounge of the, the flat I was sharing and Alan Bateman was sat, you know, right over near the other end of the room. As I walked into the door, he looked at me and said, what on earth has happened to you? And that, it's like, I, 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 so I said, I've been filled with the spirit of speaking in tongues. No, I haven't done it. I just walked in the room. He says, I want that as well. And you've got to remember that back then, I mean, it was very, very few people in Anglican churches were baptized in spirit. Very, very few. So he's obviously going through the same desires me and Irving had, and he wanted this. So I said, Well, I've just done a six week Bible study with Irving. I could do that with you, and then we could pray. He says, No, I want it now. So, of course, what do you do? I want a clue. Never prayed for anybody in my life before, like this. So I walked over to him, and somehow or other, I knew, I put my hand on him, Holy Spirit, fill him. Instantly, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. It was like, oh, it's Acts of the apostles happening. And it was like this. Every, every week in our Anglican church, you know, we'd go to the small groups, and people would say, what's happened to you? And we would say, I've been filled in the Spirit. Well, pray for us now. Well, it was just happening. Well, Irvin uh, had two friends Giles and Angela and Giles was rather skeptical Angela was all for it but Giles was skeptical Are you sure Irvin that this is the real thing you know are, well, how can you show me how do you know that it's continuing surely it's died well, all that skeptical Anyway Irvin was there and Giles is speaking this um, all this negative language and Irvin said you just need to believe, Giles. And instantly, Giles is slain in the spirit, boom, over his table, dining room table. And he couldn't get up off the table. And he's stuck to the table. He's said, stuck on the table. And he goes, I can't get up. And Emma said, you can't get up until you repent of all that rubbish. <laughs> and Giles repented and instantly he was filled with spirit and spoken tongues. So that was our, you know, end of our six-week course. We were just ecstatic because this was real. So a few months later, um, Irvin and myself were asked to come and be part of the Manchester Sacred Dancer Drama Group, which was the drama group that this church grew out of. And I remember the day I walked into the, the group meeting where they were all practicing, and it was just like, I've come home. These people know Holy Spirit. They're like living it. They're not having to try six weeks of study to find out they just know him uh and so i spent many years with that dance and drama group going around um, the northwest of england predominantly but also other parts of the country um, doing dance and drama in churches particularly anglican and catholic churches some pentecostals um doing a lot of open air work um and seeing people just get baptized in the spirit speaking tongues getting healed getting saved wherever we went it was the kingdom of god at work and it was wonderful um and during that time we had a lady come from new zealand new zealand in the early 80s was experiencing a revival and cecily graham came um, to our church and she came with a powerful healing ministry um she used to you know um hire out stadiums and fill stadiums in New Zealand. It was sort of her ministry. And she'd come to this, she'd been invited to come to this country and we had her for a, a week in our church. Well, it was a bit like chalk and cheese, you know, she was so confident. She knew about the Holy spirit words and knowledge, etc. And we were like, oh, gosh, never experienced any of that." Although I'm in a group now, it really is experiencing the Holy spirit. In that degree, we, we were like beginners. Uh, but we used to, I remember I just used to stick close to her. Um, wherever she went, whoever she prayed for, I used to catch the people. I used to, I'll oh, just try and learn from you. And there was one night when she was ministering in our church, it was probably about 50 of us in the service, and the Holy Spirit fell, and everybody's on their back. The presence of God had come. You know, uh, she had words and knowledge and ministry for loads of people. It was just an exciting time of Um, like a pentecost event that's what it was like i went away on a um, conference with kath my wife and probably two weeks after uh, cecily graham had left uh, i'd come back after the conference i'm in church and i have my first public prophecy that i give and i'm at the back of church and i just prophesy and i say god wants you to get your ears on that was the prophecy and like there's no response and I thought, that's not right. There should be a response to that. He's just said he wants us to, to get our ears on, meaning I want you to be able to hear me and learn to grow in your awareness of, of what I'm saying. So I thought, that's not right. There's this like boldness came. Okay, I've given that prophecy. They need to respond to it. So I went to the front and said, okay, God's spoken. Anybody who wants to respond to that word, you know that you need to hear God, come out. Now we were... It was a tiny church um, before we'd done the expansion. So there was a center aisle and then pews on either side and a little space at the front. So I said, you know, if you want to that respond to that word, come now. People got out and never seen this before in, in our church, apart from when Cecily Graham was there, but they were coming. So they filled the aisle, and I started to minister to people. And it was like I could see where the Holy Spirit wanted me to go. As soon as I touched them, bang! Power of the Holy Spirit hit them. and They're on the floor, you know, manifesting the presence of God. Wherever I went, I, I learned not to follow a line, but go where the Holy Spirit is. I learned how to follow him. Uh, and, ah, it's exciting. And it would be like six people down the that pew there. And the last one, oh, power hit them. Boom. And they run along. the. Oh, it was just exciting. Well, that went on for ages. Every time we'd meet together, I'd pray for people. to would be slain the Spirit Oh. I remember exciting evenings, you know, a line of thirty people, and I'd know the Holy Spirit was coming in power. And I said, stand there, and if you receive the Holy Spirit, and I'd run down this line, and it would be bang, 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 and everybody would all, and they would hit with power. It was just stunning, you know, and exciting. After a while I began to question what was happening because I couldn't see any anything else. People had been slain in the spirit interesting but it didn't lead to anything I felt I as soon as I started to have that double mindedness it all stopped I could pray for I don't know how many people I don't know how many times and nobody would be slain the spirit it took quite a few years before that came back because it took me time to renew my mind that I'm not somebody who has to know everything. Because what God does, he does, right? And it wasn't until the Toronto Blessing that I began to understand what the Holy Spirit was doing. But this was quite a number of years before the Toronto Blessing. But because my understanding was, surely there should be something more than that. And I couldn't see what the, that was. It then just left. As I'm just sharing that with you so that you understand, you know, You need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You need to follow him. And sometimes you will not know everything. And don't get into double-mindedness with it. Because that's what it says in James. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And that's what I was, unfortunately. So, anyway, carry on with my story. Uh, So, by the late 80s, early 90s, most of the charismatic churches in this country we're beginning to feel rather tired and worn out and struggling. Because a lot of what we did was our own effort to try and become righteous or try and become holy or trying to pursue God or try to pray harder or try to read the Bible more or try to get more saved or try. I mean, we as a church, we had our own church school. We had four congregations that we were doing. Uh, I was working full time in the church. It was like, a lot of work, effort going on, but it was really not much intimacy going on. <laughs> that's what it felt like, right? But we didn't really understand that then. So we were getting more and more tired. So eventually we hear that, uh, in fact, it was in the newspapers here in this country, that's how we got to hear about it, that the Toronto blessing had occurred, 1994, and that churches in this country, Holy Trinity, Brompton, etc. In the newspapers, the telegraph was saying, what on earth is happening in our churches? They are laughing in the aisles. And it was like the newspapers that were reporting that something was occurring in churches that hadn't occurred before. Churches that are rather staid and traditional, now people were falling down and laughing and something was taking place. And of course that makes you interested. What's this that's going on? In fact, in this country, Churches began to charter flights to fly over to Toronto, um, so that they could go to. Uh, I mean, Toronto used to run um, conferences. You know, five. Well, I think they had one night off a week, so for six nights a week there was either ministry or conferences going on uh, for years. So people from this country just used to fly over. Unfortunately, it was at a time when flights were very cheap and you could you could get there. <laughs> Um, so we had heard that up in Sunderland, um, the same sort of revival was occurring in Sunderland. Uh, and so um, we used to go, uh, particularly my wife and others from church used to go. And eventually she convinced me that I ought to go up to Sunderland. And it was just, uh, just wonderful, wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit coming. Um, and then eventually I get the opportunity to go to Toronto. And I went in 98 with Andy and Sharon. But it was a bit like I was observing what was going on. I mean, there was 3,000 people there. The presence of the Holy Spirit came. People were, were laughing and making animal noises and all sorts of stuff was going on. And it was wonderful. I loved it. But I really felt I observed. I, I observed what was happening. So um, we came back from there. Um, and Kath and myself went to... We uh, went to a church in Birmingham that we'd heard had seen this Toronto blessing. And again, there was about a 1,000 people in this church. And Ian Andrews was ministering. And Ian just said, um, I'm, the Holy Spirit wants me to minister in a different way today, so I'm just going to invite him to come. Holy Spirit, come. And he went and sat behind the piano, and that was his sermon. I thought, well, oh, that's a strange sermon, isn't it? Just come Holy Spirit, I and mean, then nothing. So we were sat there, and then eventually behind me I could hear a man beginning to laugh so I turned round, and unfortunately my I looked at the guy he's a black guy and I thought oh he's just being emotional that's what I just thought he's, I knew he's being to laugh anyway this laughter began to roll around the room all over the place and up at the front there was two uh, well three ladies best in their best Sunday dress it was a Pentecostal church so they loved to get up you know, dressed smartly and they, they looked like they were going to a wedding they were drunk they were drunk in the they were trying to walk down the aisle and they couldn't they were falling over they were laughing the presence of God was with them and then there's a man just oh, three rows in front of me began to bounce on his seat and he was bouncing up and down oh, I just like, and this went on for like an hour this un, unorchestrated outpouring of the spirit is, was going on and then it all calmed down And the pastor of the church got up and said, "Ah, no, it's real when this guy, three rows from me, is bouncing up and down. He's a top person in the SAS and he knows how to control himself. And if he gets overwhelmed like that, then surely it's the Holy Spirit. You know, that's the sort of approach. So, walking out with Kath, my wife, and Kath said, did you feel anything, Alan? So initially, no. She said, well, I began to make a small laugh. You know, we call it a titter. (laughs) You know,." <laughs> and uh, I said, "Well, I did as well." And she said, she said, "I stopped it." And I said, "I did, because I wanted the real thing, and I didn't want to do it myself. I wanted the real thing." And we looked at each other and said, "We're not going to do that again. And the Holy Spirit comes, we'll just cooperate with him, and we'll stop trying to find the real thing. We will just yield ourselves to him." And ever since then, I've stopped trying to find the real thing because he found me. The real thing found me. <laughs> that's, the, that's the reality. That is the reality. You know, the real thing found me. So I'm, you know, my father knows how to give a good gift. I'm not going to fuss about worrying. Is this a counterfeit of this or whatever? This is just something that I can yield into. I've learned that I have to cooperate with him. And, you know, for you'll hear people talk about how they've laughed in the joy of the Lord. And then people want, I would love to have that joy. But the truth is, just cooperate. Just start laughing. It's an incredible thing. Just start laughing, you know. So, after we came back from that experience, um, I felt that the Lord wanted me to go to another conference in Toronto called the Father Heart. Just like you've been on a week of Father Heart teaching, I wanted to go and hear that the first time I'd ever heard anybody teaching about how father loved us i knew that jesus loved me and i knew i was baptized in the spirit but father seemed to be a bit distant and a bit you know a bit out of the way really whereas in reality he's surely very close so i went over took nine from church over to toronto and i got in through the front door and at that time when we went you had to queue outside the church in toronto um so we were there for like quarter to eight in the morning doors opened at like half nine and you that by then the queue was nearly around the building so it was just everybody got very early and the reason is you wanted to get a nice seat <laughs> because the front of the building had lovely seats underneath the mezzanine they were just hard plastic ones and if you're going to sit there from like you know 10 in the morning till 12 at night or one in the morning you wanted to sit on something comfy (laughs) so you wanted to get in and get your seat so you know leading this team of nine I was wanted to get in there and get a seat you know so I'm we get to the queue the doors open we walk in and the first thing that I encounter is about eight cleaning ladies they were there with the buckets the marigold gloves on with their mops and they'd obviously been in um cleaning the toilets but the Holy Spirit had hit them, and they were now in this unruly group on the floor, laughing, jerking, manifesting the presence of the Holy Spirit there. And I, as a good Englishman, wanting to find some seats for my group of nine people, tiptoed between them, because you couldn't, I mean, the right in the middle of the aisle, you couldn't, you had to just get past them. So I had to tiptoe past them and got up to the front and got the. Third row from the front. So I felt I'd really done, got my nine seats on the third row from the front. That's the best. At which point, Trish, who was one of the ladies who came to me, came up to me and said, Alan, what are you doing? I said, again, the seats, I've got third row, nine, nine here, brilliant. She says, we haven't come for seats, Alan. We've come for what those ladies have got. Oh, yes, Trish. <laughs> and she got older me. I was so, so glad she did. Gold me and dragged me back to where the ladies are. Now, by this time, many, many people are coming, walking past the ladies, going onto their seats, getting the seats. Our group of nine were pulled back by Trish, and we sat with nine ladies who were drunk in the spirit. I wasn't drunk in the spirit. Neither was Trish, nor the others. Uh, we just sat with them and held their hands because what they had, we wanted. And we hadn't come to a conference. We'd come to an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And what we wanted was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it took me, having Trish dragging me back, to realise that the gold I was after was here with the cleaning ladies, not on row three. You see what I mean? But so we got up out of that place <laughs> I mean and as we walked back, it was like the Holy Spirit hit us. And we were jerking and shaking and laughing and crying. We got back to our row and we were collapsing in the row. Everybody else was rather quiet, but we were like just overwhelmed with the spirit. We'd caught it off them. So I'm telling you, it's transferable. You know, if you start seeing your colleagues um, over manifesting the spirit, go grab their hands. It's transferable. It just, don't go, don't be an observer. Get in it. You know, you've given up a load of time and money to come on this (laughs) conference and this course. Get it. Just get in the middle of it. So, and what happened was, people came and joined us and said, "Can we come and join your group because we want what you've got?" And we said, "Well, we haven't got anything. We only just come from England to get this." And they said, "No, you've got it." And our group were just overwhelmed that week. And of course, for me, it was the most stunning week of learning that Father loved me. Was a major revelation of that. And I came back with an understanding that He loved me, but this refreshing that was happening in Toronto, I could give away. And I knew I could give it away. And in um, Acts, going back to that, Acts at Pentecost, Peter says that those times of refreshing. And what happened with Toronto was it was a time of refreshing. That pouring of the Spirit of God came to refresh us. And the truth is it never stopped. Many churches said, oh, yes, well, we've had the Toronto blessing. now we must go on to something new. And the reality was, no, we're well, just going to keep refreshing you. He loves to do it. That's It's all part of being filled. He just loves to fill you. So, you know, we'd come back. We had um, conferences here. We would um, pray with people. They'd be filled in the Spirit. It was just a wonderful time. and It continues today. It just continues, the same thing. Um, if we haven't done it yet, you'll be involved with um, fire tunnels. We just pray for the filling of the Spirit hit, and it just hits people. So, um you know, it's just wonderful time. So we, uh, time's going on now. Um, we went again, I think we took 32 people from church over to Toronto. Um, I was showing you the last time I was here, you know, photographs of gold teeth. That's what happened when we were there. Um, and so that, the miraculous of God just keeps happening amongst us. It keeps growing. Uh, we're still learning. We're still learning how to respond and follow him. Um, it's still in a process of growing, growing. Um, Revival, you know, um, what's his name? Bill Johnson has a lovely description. He says, you know, an apple, when it's on a tree, a little apple, little green apple, and then the big apple, it's still apple. You don't look at the little one and say, well, you're not an apple. And so Revival, sometimes we can say, oh, well, it's not really happening here because it's not as big or as developed as this. But the reality is, it's the same flavor, it has the same ingredients, it's the same. It's revival. And all we're doing is learning to grow and mature with him in our understanding and our willingness to follow him and our willingness to respond to him. So uh, I got a chance to go to Reading uh, by that time. Sharon's daughter's out in Reading, so's uh, Ben, he's out in Reading. And we're hearing stories back from them of what was happening in Reading. And I get a chance to go with Andy and Sharon uh, to Reading. Uh, it was wonderful. I really loved the um, conference, um, pastors advance, And fortunately, they now come and do those in Europe. So it's a bit easier to get to than traveling all the way over to Reading, California. Um, but I was there on the first day and... Um, so, so it's probably about 600 people mostly from America but also from around the world um, uh, in this conference and they do the thing that you know I don't like which is turn to somebody you don't know and just talk to them and find out why they're here oh, okay <laughs> it's just like cringe do I have to do this <laughs> so I mean there's Andy and Sharon on my left and I know them so I have to go here across the aisle and there's a guy sat there. And so I walk across and talk to him. I said, hello, um, why are you here? He goes, I don't know. What do you want God to do for you? I don't know. And it was like talking to a block of ice. Anyways, it was bad enough because I didn't like going to do it but the guy wasn't responsive so you know at least it would be nice if he could have responded to me in some way and maybe asked me some questions but he was just no he was nowhere near it really so i went back and like back to my seat and felt oh god they don't ask us to do that again um anyway the following i think it's the following day um i have to go out to the loo it's the morning i have to go out to the loo and um the Students. You know, they have like, at that time, I think they had about six hundred students. Although it's over a thousand now. Um, so, these six hundred students had been prayed for by the guy who started the um, uh, what do they call them, uh, the healing rooms. So he had prayed for them, and he prayed that the Holy Spirit would impact them in power. Well, they came out of their meeting room, and they were obvious that something had happened. It's a bit like, you know, it's obvious in the Acts of the Apostles that something had happened. Well, it was obvious there. And I pressed myself against the wall because these, there was like 600 of them jerking, shouting, screaming, laughing, rolling around on the floor, coming out of this room. And I'm, I just got to get out of the way of this lot. Well, unfortunately, somebody decides that they wanted to give away what they had. So they got hold of me around the waist and they said, get him, God. And as soon as they did that, it was like electric bolt hit me and I, it went right through me and I'm jerking and I'm on the floor and I'm jerking and jerking and jerking, jerking and then I managed to get up and I'm thinking oh oh gosh that was something and they hold of me again because they've still 600 coming out of this room they got to me get him again God and it's like lightning went through me again oh that power just hit me and I'm on the floor jerking and I'm standing up and I'm doing this chicken dancing I'm, like, I'm doing this like this and oh gosh it's Oh, when will they stop and it, not stopping? So I'm go back into the main hall where you know, exaggerating a little bit. Everybody's singing worship songs and it's all rather meek and mild. You know, they're singing nice songs about how Father loves everybody. And I'm walking in there doing it, oh, oh, like this. Like I'm the only one doing this. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, everybody's looking at me. And I'm like, oh, and I'm hearing this Father Loves You song going on. Oh, this is and then compassion hit me for this guy who I'd spoken to the day before because I knew he couldn't sing that song. I knew that he couldn't sing about Father's love. So I'm now on a mission. Where is he? Where is he in this room? You know, I'm just still doing this and. Making and everybody's still singing like this, and I'm making this noise and I'm searching for him. Unfortunately, he was on the end of a row. <laughs> so I found him, and I'm and i stood like that. Like this, and I says, "I've come to pray for you." Looking <laughs> like this, you know, I've come to pray for you, and he's looking totally bemused at me. I, I grab hold of him, and I have a prophecy, and I speak over his life, and I say things like, um, "You know, I've seen what you've gone through, my son." And I'm just thrilled with what you've done. And I'm here with you. And I know everything about what's gone on. And I love you. And I left him. I got back to my seat. All that jerking left. And I carried on. The following morning, this guy, the same guy, comes running up to me, beaming. It's like, it's, it's, you, it's just, you've changed my life. <laughs> I'm changed. I oh, said, well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much. It's marvelous. Well, I didn't see him again for the rest of the conference. But then I got a, a letter when I got back. So it says, um, I'm the man you prayed for two successive days at Bethel Church in Redding, California. I'm a Episcopal priest for almost 20 years, but unfortunately I've been kicked out of four parish churches and three Anglican dioceses, including the Diocese of Oxford. You have a great anointing. I haven't wept in 10 years. When you embraced me and prayed for me, I came apart at the seams. I have been healed of much. Almost 20 years ago, my wife divorced me after she had engaged in seven extramarital affairs. I was kicked out of the church. I never recovered. Your prayers have healed me. I'm in a better spiritual position now than I have been in the last 20 years. It's a wow, isn't it? You know, when the Holy Spirit fills you, it's for purpose. That power that comes in you it's for purpose it doesn't always look like this sometimes it does right sometimes it'll look different but it's for purpose and that's to give it away to bless others to overwhelm the love of father on other people to know that you are filled with him you know so that you can minister to others and of course father who knows how to give good gifts Gives one of the most wonderful gifts to us. I've talked about the Holy Spirit. Of course, he is the essence of it all. But one of those gifts is speaking in tongues. And, you know, it says in Scripture that we can all speak in tongues. And that was the struggle back in the 70s. You know, was it legitimate to speak in tongues? How do you speak in tongues, etc.? And the truth is, it's just incredibly easy to. And all the struggles that people have had. I've prayed for hundreds when they get through to speaking in tongues. Because it's a matter of cooperation with Him, you know. The Holy Spirit is breath and air. So you can imagine Him as your breath. In He's in you, and He comes up through your organs of speech. And so there's like the voice box, and there's your tongue and your teeth, and you know you make a sound, don't you? It's not that the Holy Spirit comes down and waggles your tongue and makes sounds. It's that you cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And the sounds that form, the miracle is that God takes that and makes it bullseye prayer and makes it a manifestation in the Spirit that becomes energy. And that's why it's such a wonderful gift, because it becomes energy for you. It's an ability for you to see into the spiritual realm. It's an ability for you to live life. And that's why I'd encourage everybody to speak in tongues. Paul tells you, you all can. So if you struggle with it, you know, gosh, you can get free and find it easier. Or if it's something that, yes, I've spoken in tongues, but I've left it to one side, I'd encourage you to pick it up again because it is powerful. So this voice box, you know, you have to crop it, make a sound, ah, you know, you have to move your tongue in that noise, ah, la, 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 you have to make a noise. You have to use your teeth, you have to use your lips, you know, if you want to say pepper, I have to use my lips, don't I? If I want to say salt, I have to use my tongue and my teeth to say it. So if I'm going to speak I have to use all those organs of speech. And it's not that I am um, what's the word? It's not that mechanism that's the miracle. It's the miracle that God takes it and forms it into prayer language. It talks about it being bullseye prayer. And it's no wonder Paul says you can all do it because it's the most glorious gift and if it's something that you've let slip a bit i'd encourage you just pick it up and start using it again right if it's something that you've struggled with had wrong teaching on or we'll we'll get you sorted out and you'll be speaking i have had students who've said no i do not want to speak in tongues and unfortunately they don't and i think why on earth do you want to miss out on something the holy spirit wants to give you Uh, it's like prophecy you've had your prophecy week Uh, At one time, we've never thought that everybody could prophesy. It's quite clear in Scripture. Of course you can. (laughs) And the wonderful gift of being able to prophesy, bring that word to somebody. Well, how much more when you can speak a a prayer? Because if you're like me and start praying, I'll run out of words in a few minutes. With tongues, I can carry on for as long as I like. You know, it's just I don't run out of words. And if I lift my voice and begin to sing in the Spirit, I can sing. I'm not, like, I'm not musical like Timo and can get a guitar and, like, you know, and you play and sing. But I can sing in the Spirit. And doing it, it opens up spiritual realms. It makes you aware of what's going on spiritual. You're sensing the presence of the Holy Spirit. Fantastic. And that's what you want. Because if Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing then we're going to have to go through a process of learning to see, right? And that process of learning to see needs your spiritual antenna nicely honed and listening, right? Because what often you see can be difficult to do. So do you think it was easy for Jesus to put mud on the eyes of somebody? I think that was quite difficult. But yet, the guy got healed, you think it's easy for Smith Wigglesworth to thump somebody in the stomach? No, I think it's quite difficult. Do you think it's easy to pray for someone when you're doing this? No, it's quite difficult when you've got 600 eyes looking at you saying, what on earth are you doing? Is it easy to have paid to um, bring a well-known speaker over from America to speak at the church and you're leading the service And you sense the Holy Spirit doesn't want him to speak, but the Holy Spirit wants to minister to everybody. And so you've paid thousands to bring him over, but you never give him an opportunity to speak. Do you think that one's easy? I tell you it's not. But you have to learn to be sensitive to Holy Spirit, sensitive to him. And so the whole process of this being on iDestiny is, let's get you honed into listening to him let's get you being more bold let's get you being more confident in what holy spirit's already put in you let's get you more expectant of what he's going to do you know that's a whole thing we're doing to be honest with you you'll hear loads of teaching you know i'll come and talk to you for 10 weeks you know it's a bit much just follow holy spirit that's what it sums down to it really follow him and do what he's doing um We'll watch videos. We'll see people who are paralyzed being healed. We'll see people, um, you know, traumatic healings taking place, metal coming out of their bodies. We'll, we'll watch some wonderful stuff and we'll all practice having a go at it. Right? Because we are still in our church, still learning how to do this stuff. right? And you probably find that for the rest of your Christian life, you'll still be learning how to do it. <laughs> so that was my trip to uh, Reading. Reading. Um, I mean, that was in 2006. I mean, we've had wonderful encounters with the Holy Spirit in, in ourselves since then. Uh, and so I'm encouraging you that being filled with the Spirit is an ongoing process and always be willing for it. Some people get stuck over the manifestations. They say, well, you know, do I have to shake? Do I have to do this? And the truth is, no, you don't. Be careful, because what I've noticed with people who ask that question, they don't seem to do much either. They don't seem to do much of anything else. And as I said, the filling of the Spirit looks like something. And he likes us to cooperate. And I have noticed, and we'll watch, we'll watch a lady, how she prophesies by just making a sound. And how the sound opens up uh, the whole atmosphere to God to work, so just going Uh-oh! shift something now, if you're not willing to do something like that with the Holy Spirit, then you miss out on hearing him, so be careful when you say do do I have to shake? do I have to do No, you understand no of course no, but I do encourage you, be willing to go with him, but if you start to have that little titter. <laughs> Well, let it come into a belly laugh, you know. If you start to find, my hand is shaking, well, I'll have my hand shake then. If, if you start to find that uh, you are swaying back, well, just enjoy it, right? Don't go, I'm not going to do, I'm not the real thing. Remember, the real thing already found you, all right? You already found you. Uh, so you've got the real thing. I, I have, um, German people do find this a little bit tricky because they want to, to make sure it's the real Uh, okay, but it's the real thing because he came. (laughs) Um, We had a few debates with a few people, students, gym students, about this. Um, But I'm trying to encourage you to say, okay, I'm I'm here for, you know, five months, six months. Well, I'm just going to go for it. I think I told you two weeks ago about um, Faith and how she prayed for somebody's arm. And she did the round and round the garden like a teddy bear, one step, two step. And when she did that, the lady's arm was totally healed. That's the learning to follow Holy Spirit. You don't get that from, I can give you a five-step process on how to pray for someone. That doesn't have that prayer in it. You know, you don't get people out of wheelchairs by having a five-step process. You get them out of wheelchairs by following Holy Spirit. It's just... Stunning what he does, but often it goes against what our minds are thinking, and learning to renew that mind and let and follow him and trust him is the key. Um, there was a lady in our church, um, she went to a, a Catch the Fire meeting here in, in Manchester, and she laughed for six months. Uh, her Holy Spirit hit her, and she laughed for six months. And towards the end of that time, her kids were saying, Stop it, Mom, you're embarrassing us. And it and it was so hard for her to keep that willingness to keep following Holy Spirit when her kids were saying, "Stop it! You're just embarrassing me." And it's interesting how influence of a crowd can hit. You know, I'm saying yes. Let's be. I'll be open. I'll be shaking. Whatever. But the crowd can really influence you. Um, and so that's a member Sharon saying. You know. At one point, she was thinking, oh gosh, you know, is what's happening to me right? And what are people thinking? And it, it, that goes into your mind. What are people thinking of me? And you oh, hang on a minute. This is your father who knows how to give a good gift to you. And what's he thinking? Are you willing to allow the manifestation of the Spirit to come when you're at work? You know, I've had it, you know, in a in a meeting at work, you know, a pretty powerful meeting at work, and then the Holy Spirit comes and you, oh! And then he's looking at you and you go, I'm just praying. <laughs> you know, are you willing? Are you willing to walk down the corridor at work and shake? Are you willing to be in Tesco's and shake because the Holy Spirit's come? Are you willing to pray for? You know, it, it's just like He's trying to get you out there and get you in that willingness to to not think about what are other people thinking of me, but what's my Father wanting me to do? Ah, oh, that's the tough one. Because you always want to be, you always want everybody thinking nice things of you. And sometimes they think you're a bit odd. Well, just put up with it. (laughs) You know, what do you want? Do you want Holy Spirit? Do you want the kingdom? Do you want all of that? I know you do. But it's, it's amazing what your mind can play tricks on you and tell you. And that's lovely about our church in that We've come through enough to be able now to just go, it's okay. I mean, when Nikki, you've probably met Nikki, when she first came on the school, um, she um, she would try to restrict her manifestations. And so I could see her, and we'd ask the Holy Spirit to come, and she was, I said, what's wrong, Nikki? Well, my previous church told me that I had to be you know more considerate of others, and, and I shouldn't. That's rubbish, look, I'm a leader here. You can do what you like. Well, you'll get Nikki, and she will scream and yell and whatever because she's free. But the result of that is that you have a woman now who's walking in power with Jesus, right? If you try to constrain her and make her more acceptable to the mass, if you like, then you wouldn't have got that gold out of her. And that's what I'm saying to you. That This is a place where you can experiment, really, with God. You can allow yourself to be free, right? And we we'll encourage you. And as a leader, I'm saying to you, it's okay, right? It's okay. We'll live with you, right? You go in five months. We'll, we'll manage it for five months, right? We'll live with you. We we'll, can we'll trust you. We trust that they found you and he's filled you. And we're, we'll, we'll love you, okay? Thank you for listening to the I Destiny Podcast. For further information, check out www.idestme.org.uk.